Welcome to the smooth and sultry sounds of Catholic Late Night Podcast Edition, which is specifically geared for people who are driving in the car or people who are blind. We hope you enjoy this episode today and encourage you to check out our videos on YouTube where you get to see our beautiful faces as we talk about ourselves. Alright, John, why don't you do the intro this time, seeing that you're prepared for it. Sure. I can always do intros. I think you've been talking a little too much in the last few shows, Patrick. I have. We're live, so the point is that you do an intro right now. Um, you could have said that, but Sorry, I thought when I said do, 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 you just understood that's what that meant. Yeah, well, I don't read your mind literally. It's just most of the time it seems that I way. Hey, everybody, welcome banter. to another... Oh, go on. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to another episode of Catholic Late Night. Uh, I'm your host, John Welch, and with me is my other half, Patrick Hanus. That's how someone referred to you on the phone today. <laughs> they go, it looks like this has been filed by a Patrick Hanus. <laughs> anyway, welcome, guys. Um, today we are talking about contraception. Is a glorious topic with a long tradition in the church, and we are going to uh, explain why it's wrong, why you shouldn't do it, why Protestants have it wrong, why it's abortion, why it's terrible for marriages, all kinds of stuff. Patrick's got a whole bunch of notes that he wrote on his own, and I'll be reading off of those. So uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us, and let's get and, right and, to uh, it. And one thing, just a teaser, we have a, a hot take on um, what the opposite evil of contraception is. And how uh, there, you might be able to have just too many kids. And that'd be a wrong thing. Stay tuned. Hey, my lighting looks fantastic. It does. Dude. Like, why does this look weird? All right. <laughs> That's going to be super funny. Let's see if anybody notices. Um, all right. Welcome back. So uh, contraception, I think, I'll be honest. Like, this is probably a weird thing. But it's one of my favorite topics. And I'll tell you why. Uh, it's because nobody likes talking about it, um, but everybody has strong opinions about it one way or another. Um, so it's really good. This is going to be a great episode. Um, John wrote a lot of really good notes here that we're going to go through. Yeah, I really, this is like a, this is like a thousand words of just um, awesome notes here. Uh, Allenson, if you are really sorry by calling John weird, you probably wouldn't say it. Um, and then Grace, welcome back. Uh, Grace has a really interesting question for us later on that is related to contraception. It's whether or not, can you contracept a dog? And uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, so just to kick things off, uh, John, just from a personal aspect, uh, growing up as a Catholic, what was kind of your view of contraception and how that played into life? I mean, my view of contraception was that it was wrong. Um, I don't think I really understood how it made, like how it was wrong until later um, in my life. But growing up, obviously, as a Catholic that was raised in a very traditional Catholic household, contraception was always included in pro-life. In fact, I was kind of super surprised the first time I ever heard a person claim they were pro-life and then make the case for contraception. Um, like, I was like, what? That's not, you can't do that. <laughs> and so, that, I mean, I was probably like, later in high school or maybe even in college before I ever was like, before I ever realized that was a thing. Like I figured all pro-life people understood this concept, yeah. but, 
obviously I was a little sheltered, guys. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of my experience. And I, I think too, like what what's interesting to me is as I became older and a man, I realized that a lot of people- As he put aside childish things. A lot of Catholic people pretty much subscribe to most of Catholicism. And like, yeah, down, Pope, yeah, good, pray, rosary, all that stuff, great. Uh, but then it comes to, they get married, and all of a sudden, the line yeah. gets blurred. And it's like, well... Like, wait a second. It's like, well, we're married, and we've just decided, like, just for a little bit, like, just the honeymoon. You know, we're just going to use it for just the honeymoon, because, you know, things are a little bit weird, and we want to make sure that we don't, like, just have a baby right out of the gate, you know. And it's just amazing Heaven because it's like that happen. either contraception is wrong because of the reasons that we say it's wrong all of the time. It's not like, you know, eating junk food where it's like, all right, I'm really going to splurge this weekend. Going to have myself some McDonald's <laughs> frosty and we're good. Like, it's not like that. It's like uh, contraception's kind of completely rupturing your understanding of the marital act and really a, a huge crime against your own soul, but also the soul of your spouse. Um, so it, it just was, it's also kind of surprised me. Um, but at the same time, I, I do have compassion for people. Cause a lot of times it's just a complete ignorance about what sex is. You know, people get married and yeah. they, they have no clue what sex actually means and that the purpose behind it. And when you don't have that fundamental understanding, then contraception doesn't seem that bad and it doesn't seem like it's the end of the world. Right. And so that's what we're going to talk about, just kind of explaining a little bit more of um, the theological science or whatever you want to call it of why contraception uh, is a crime against the human person. All right. Thank you, Patrick, for that wonderful introduction. Just dive right in. Yeah, dude. Dive right here. All right, well, obviously, the biggest reason why contraception is wrong is because it removes the life-giving the life -giving aspect of sex. What's funny is that I feel like that's not the reason, like, that is the, that's the moral reason, obviously, right, because you, you can't have sex that isn't free, total, free, faithful, total, and fruitful, right? So if you remove the fruitful, it's not, it doesn't have the criteria for moral sex by the church's standards. But what I think is interesting is that, like, that part of it, it like at first, whenever I first was understanding contraception as a younger person, it's like, oh, it, it makes us you don't, don't have a kid. So like, that's why it's wrong. But what's funny is that I think that way more compelling than the fact that it makes you not have a kid are the things it does to a relationship. Like it's so damaging subconsciously to a relationship. And that to me is more compelling than the fact that it like prevents Oh yeah. I mean, there are cases where concept where like it doesn't abort the kid, right? It just yeah. like does things to make their not, you know, the the sperm can't get to the egg or whatever. So it's not like aborting a child in a lot of cases. And so you can't even then it's like, yeah, I mean you're removing the life-giving aspect, but like a kid isn't dying. So I just want to make I just want to be clear yeah. that like there's not a baby being conceived that's getting aborted. I'm not that's the worst thing. Right. But I'm saying like it's not necessarily right. destroying the life, it's destroying the opportunity for life. Right, right. And like that still is enough of a reason, right? Removing the possibility of life is enough of a moral reason for it for it to be a mortal sin to do that. But I'm saying from like me personally, when I started to understand sex, I was like, it's way more compelling to just think about how stupid it is to say you can 
you can get married to someone and say, I'm giving you my life and then like reject that part of them. It's really ridiculous, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, I think part of it is related to this idea that, um, you can sit like, if you're really trying to love some, it's like, Oh, well I really love them, but I love them so much that I care. Like, for example, a health, the health concern. That's when people, I think, really tend to like break down their moral barriers. They're like, "Oh well, if if we get pregnant, then you know right. she could die, or he. I don't think he would die. I mean, he might die. Like, <laughs> so if we get pregnant, my husband will kill himself. <laughs> it's like he probably deserves it. Um, yeah. So, but what's what's interesting is people just. Actually, I have no clue where I'm going, John. Okay, cool. So back to. Uh, so, so basically, guys, sex was designed to bond parents and have a life-giving capability, right? Sex, and more specifically, the procreation it is, is the, like, the most obvious way for God. Like, the life-giving aspect of sex is the thing that most closely shows us being made in God's image. Because it is literally, the, like, the being of the Holy Spirit is literally the love between the father and the son. It is so, like their love is so real that it actually becomes a person. It actually is a person. And we can't really understand this, but that's what it is. Right. And so that's, but, but if you think about it in human terms, that's also what it is. The father and the mother are, their love is so real that it actually becomes a new life. It is they, like my son is literally love. <laughs> yeah right like that's what he is and that's we all are like we're the love between our parents we're the visible tangible sign of that love and so like on a ontological level to remove that part from the procreative act whatever you want to call it from sex the marriage act, procreative act copulation i don't care to remove that part out of it is to reject like the most fundamental way that we image God, right? And and it is specifically, as Fulton Sheen says in Three to Get Married, it is specifically our imaging of God that makes us persons. Mm -hmm. So, using logic, if A equals B and B equals C, to remove the to remove the life giving aspect from uh, from the you know from sex, is to make us less than human. Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing, right? Like it is that. Yeah. Um, and so basically when you, when you're stripping it from that, when you're frustrating the body in some format, whether that's using a condom or having your wife take chemicals of some sort to screw up her, uh, normal body functions, uh, when you do that, then all of the focus is now put on how can I, you know, pleasure myself with my spouse right. and way less about right. how can I give of myself? Cause at that point, you're not giving anything, and she's not receiving right. anything. It's right. completely void of that. It's uh, mutual masturbation, literally. Yeah, I th yeah, exactly. Um, and so, uh, the basically what this comes down to, like kind of based on the title of the the card for this episode, as we said, it's like, well, doesn't marriage equal sex? And it's like, no, it doesn't. Marriage involves sex. And it needs to in order to be a valid marriage. But that doesn't mean it's just unlimited sex in whatever capacity that you like. There's a wrong way to do sex. And really, the biggest 
wrong way to do it is contracepting. Um, and so that does, you know, whether or not your if your husband, you know, doesn't want to you to get pregnant or whatever, it's like, all right, well, if you're that afraid of getting pregnant, then we'll just never have sex anymore. Or right. like really aside from I mean, there's natural family planning, which there's multiple methodologies of doing that. And then there's not having sex. And those are both options. Because you right. really only have to have sex once in order for it to be a valid marriage. And then if you really don't want to have kids that much, you probably shouldn't have gotten married. Um, so, John, what is the solution? Right. What is the solution? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the solution is to have sex when your wife is not fertile. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, as Patrick said, there are ways to not conceive a child when you have sex. And that is to follow... Uh, some sort of natural family planning. But the reality is, is that, uh, you know, NFP requires extreme discipline. NFP requires that you understand that your wife and you take time to understand her body, understand her cycles, and put in the work to know when she is fertile and when she's not, and then apply the control to your marriage so that you can, um, so that you can not have a child, not get pregnant, at the times that you're, you know, not having, not, not, it's not a good time to get pregnant. And the difference here is that you are not, see, this is the thing is there's a lot of Catholics that say, well, that's the same as contraception. You're just having sex to have sex. And it's like, no, it's not even close to the same thing. Um, to not have sex is to not have sex. It's, you're not doing it. How, like, I've never, I, I mean, it's never made any sense to me. People are like, it's the same as contraception. I'm like, no, contraception is having sex and chemically or using some kind of physical barrier to not get pregnant. Natural family planning is not having sex. Right. <laughs> it's not an action. It's a it's a non-action. And like omission can be a sin, but it's not omission. You're not having sex. You're choosing to deny yourself. Contraception is choosing to indulge yourself. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's just what it is. I'm of the I'm of the belief that all Catholic couples should be practicing NFP, all of them. Yeah, I think that it is first of all one of the healthiest things you can do for your marriage. Yep. it's one of the healthiest things you can do to grow in your moral life as a person while you're married because chastity doesn't stop when you get married. And I don't really even like the word chastity because it gets so overused and stuff. But the reality is that your sex life and your your sexual morality require just as much attention when you're married as they do before you were married. Right. And things like NFP give a couple just tons of opportunity to grow as people and to grow together in ways that have nothing to do with their sexual relationship, which is really, really important. Because if you and your spouse are getting married because you want to have sex, you're in for a really bumpy ride on the other side of that. Yeah. Um, and really, I think the problem that people get with like the whole like, well, NFP is like playing God. It's like, no. God, God, there, there still needs to be like some intentionality to like sex. Like God, you know, it's, it's not just a matter of like randomly. It's like, oh, well, we're just going to do the, uh, the wild west method where you just do whatever. Right. And if it happens, it happens like, no, God gave us sex as something to bring spouses together and to overflow into the life of children, like to result in children. And so right. we're not ignorant of like how that works. We know how it works. And so if right. things are really, really rough at home and you have three kids or even two kids and things are insane and you're stupid poor, it's like, uh, 
now doesn't really make sense to have children. So why don't we try avoiding pregnancy by not engaging in the marital act during fertile periods, fertile right. times, periods, a wrong word to use, fertile times. And that is, that's like, to me, it's like, it's not, is it really being creative if you have literally no choice in it? You know, at yeah. that point, it's just carelessness, right? right? It's just like throwing yes. buckets of paint around. Like, yes, it's a child's, yeah, so it's a child that you're creating. Yeah. So we've got, so we've got some stuff going on here because some people are throwing some really great questions in the chat. So this is good. This is about to get real fun guys. So we've got, we've got some folks that are chiming in here. Uh, Ali Simon says, have to be careful with NFP. It can be misused. Grace, uh, Allenson says NFP goes against the teaching of Pius the 12th, apparently. And Grace says in October, 1951 declared the use of the sterile period for serious reasons. But if the couple was confining intercourse to those days exclusively, their conduct needed to be examined. Um, let me see here. NFP is only used for serious reasons after consulting a priest to ensure you have validly serious reasons. Okay, so all of that stuff is traditionalist, and it's not very accurate, and a lot of people misunderstand these teachings from the church. And so, <clears throat> because Pope Pius VI, in his encyclical Humanae Vitae, which all of the traditionalists will gladly tout as the most thing in the church in the 1900s, and they will use it to talk about how horrible contraception is, in that encyclical, Pope Pius VI said, every child must be discerned. Now, let me ask you something. Is it possible for you to discern a child if you're having sex whenever? Is it possible for you to discern a child when you are, when you are not choosing to practice NFP? Because I don't think so. And so you have to really be careful because there is a movement and there's a very strong underlying kind of atmosphere in the Catholic Church, especially now, but I think it's been going on for a while, that there is something like morally good about a larger number of children in a family. And this is a very dangerous thought process because the number of children in your family has nothing to do with whether you are doing God's will or not. It may or it may not, but it is not a measure of its own as to whether or not you are open to life or you are doing God's will. Because every human child should be discerned by their parents in conjunction with God. They should be asking God, tell me when, tell me how, in what way, are we ready? Do you want us to have another kid? And that is a conversation that the father specifically should be having with God. The mother doesn't really need to worry about it, although they all do. Because that's the father's job. It really is. And so this is a, this is a very touchy subject, and it's funny because... Um, Patrick and I have been talking about it a lot, and so I think we probably are going to be diving into this a little deeper as we go. But do you have anything else you'd like to add to that, Patrick, based on some of the stuff that's coming in the chat here? Um, I think uh, I think an important thing to do, especially so if you're looking at like the teaching, like what different teachings that popes have, is you can't just lift a quote out of some document at some point in time. You have to look at the context yeah. of the period, the context of why he wrote that document. And then also what documents have followed, because it's not just, you can't just take a snapshot of the church in 1950 and say, oh, see, this document says this. And so that means that I can do whatever. It's like, no, you look at the whole context of what the church teaches through the catechism, through um, the, the Bible, the, the interpretation of the Bible, which I guess would be the catechism. And then more recent documents <laughs> as well, um, and then you say, all right, well, like plenty of popes. I don't see why there seems like this idea of like, it's like the, 
the Vatican version of the deep state. It's like, no, man, NFP is just something that the Freemasons introduced in right, order to get exactly. us all to, you know, stop having babies. I mean, I'm, unless I'm mistaken, Patrick, wasn't Pope John Paul II, like, very pro-NFP? Oh, totally. totally. Okay, so, I mean, like, it's it's just, it's but kind of But at the same time, I'll, those same people are the people who, like, won't pray the luminous mysteries, <laughs> you know? Well, right, but I, but that's what I'm trying to people, because we have people in the chat here, and maybe you guys are just saying what these other people say, so maybe I miss, like, maybe you, maybe that's not what you believe, and that's fine. But I also think that there are large numbers of Catholics who aren't in that camp of, like, the luminous mysteries aren't real or there's never been a real pope after 1956 or whatever they say that do still believe these things. They believe that, like, unless your wife is going to die, you can't use NFP. And that's nonsense. It's it's crazy. Yeah. You can't live that way. Um, they basically all agree. Okay, Grace says they basically all agree. Medical, eugenic, economic, and social implication, it's a prudential decision. They equals popes. Yes. So, I mean, the reality is that... Um, the reality is that Catholicism is far more individualistic than Catholics, I think, really understand. The Catholic Church does have a lot of scenarios where there is kind of a gray area because the Church doesn't have a definitive, here is the reality. The Church, if, if what these people have said is correct, then show me where the Church teaches how many kids a couple should have. When you make your marriage vows, does, does, the, does the priest say, do you promise to accept seven children lovingly from God? You have to be able to common sense think through these things. You have to be able to use your reason. God is the person who is directing your life. The church is not telling you, here is how every single part of your life should go. The church is telling you, here is how, here are the moral boundaries you can't cross, and here is how to build a relationship with God. Then you let God take it from there. Every human person has to be working with God, and in every human family, the father has to be asking God to lead him, and he has to be willing to do what's necessary to take family it is it is the part that this is where you have to think about these things in terms of like does this make any sense right let's say that you have let's say that you have um seven kids and had six c-sections or seven c-sections right and and like by every account possible by everybody's definition like an eighth c-section is almost certainly going to kill your wife by the, by the way that a lot of these traditionalists think, or some of these comments that are being said, think like by that reasoning, you can't use NFP anyway. Like you, you basically have to just either not ever have sex again or just have sex whenever and trust God. But what happens if your wife dies? So if you don't have sex, all that's happening is you're not adding another kid to your family. That's all that's happening. A soul that is in heaven with God is not being brought into the world. But what happens if the mom dies? What happens to all the seven kids that already exist? What happens to the husband who's already there? There is such a thing as responsibility that you have to the people that are around you that, that already are living. And that responsibility is greater than your responsibility to people that don't exist yet. And so like, these are all reasons why you have to be able to think through this stuff. You, have to, you can't just say, oh my gosh, unless you're gonna, unless, like, like, unless the mom's gonna like, lose her mind, you just cannot ever use NFP. That's a crazy thing to say. And it doesn't actually make any rational sense. Yeah. Now, to be fair, most people err on the side of having too few children. That, I think, is obviously the greater problem. But that doesn't mean that uh, there aren't people on the other side of the spectrum that John and I are talking about right now. They're just like, hey, you know, do whatever you want, man. It's, you know, just 
If you want to have 10 kids, have 10 kids. Meanwhile, half of them uh, became atheists at 15 years old because they never see their dad and their mom is kind of a psychopath at this point because she's pulling her hair out. Like, we've all seen it and heard it. Maybe John and I are the only ones who have ever seen or heard those stories. Like, there still has to be... No. Like, prudence... You know what prudence is? is like a virtue. It's judging... What is it, John? Define it for me. I forget. I forget. Because <laughs> it, I, get, I get prudence and temperance confused. It's like judging, like, this. the proper, proper action based on the circumstance you're in. And so... That means being, yeah, exactly. Prudence and family planning is virtuous. Like we're trying to make a family that we can take care of, that we can give the love, give the examples. It's it's the ability to govern and discipline oneself by the use of reason. And that's that's a key part, the use of reason. God gave us reason, guys. And Allenson said, um, I think in a situation like that, it would be obviously fine. Yes, because it's so incredibly obvious with the damage that would happen to the family. That's my point. You don't get to make that judgment about people. You don't get to sit there and go, oh, it's only when I can guarantee you that the mom's going to die. That's not how it works. And this ties into a whole other episode we're going to have to do that. Um, this, uh, Yeah. OK. OK. Sorry, I'm getting off on track here. Unapology Christian. Unapologetically Christian says, I think the issue is when people use NFP with a contraceptive mentality, not wanting children. Yes. And I would say, guys that the number of Catholic families who are doing that instead of contracepting is that number. What, what this number is, is This it? is why this is so, zero. It's zero, guys. Three. Do you re- it's three. Do you realize, <laughs> three out of all the, do you realize, guys, that if someone is, is going to go to those lengths because they don't want children, because they actually don't want kids, they're just going to use contraception. This is why it's such a silly thing to and, say. And, and that's why there, there is a, a beauty to NFP, and, it, and if you're not like that familiar with it, it's really worth looking into because it's it's one of those things where it's not just a matter of planning your family. And it's way more about being intentional and having a conversations with your spouse because every month is a new month. Every month is a potential for life when a woman is fertile. And so it's far more about like, hey, like I'm aware of the beauty of the fertility of the woman because a uh, uh, man is fertile 24-7, 365, unless that one day that he spent too long in a hot tub. And a woman is, you know, there's a there's a cycle to it. There's kind of a beauty to it. Um, it's right. very much like, a, I don't know who said this, but like the church's liturgical calendar kind of has these like ups and downs, right? Like this um, time of like celebration and like life and then times of like, mourning and you know abstinence you know that word that we hear um and so like a woman is the same word um and so uh i think that the thing is with nfp is that like john said people are way way less likely to use it with a contraceptive mentality because it takes work and you're constantly in a state of like all right well is this a month like things are doing really great at work and we feel like, I feel like God's really calling us to be open to life this month. You know, like, let's try to let's try to make some babies happen. Yeah, and I so I, this is why we're going to need to move on. We're going to need to, like, have this continue on because this we're entering into a very, a very important, like, topic that I think is incredibly necessary for young people to understand because there's not really anyone in the church that's explaining this to people. And... Uh, I think that 
so like what you're saying is true also, Patrick, but at the same time, I think it's also important to recognize that like, it's also not necessarily true. Like <clears throat> that you, you have to like spend a discernment day every month, making sure that God's not asking you to have a kid, right? Like it's part of under, part of the whole discernment process is educating yourself and learning the truth about what it, like what is important for children and understanding your own children and your own spouse, right? I think that probably one of the worst things happened in Catholic marriages is that these women feel like they're basically domestic slaves because they have so many kids and they don't actually know what to do. They don't know what to do with themselves. They have, they're, they're losing, they're actually losing their minds. I mean, there was a, there was a family uh, at a parish near my house uh, last summer who seven kids, the mom, left she left the family this was a very this was a very traditionally catholic family all the things that people would say about being a great catholic family she left the kids she lost her mind literally and so you have to understand that it is it is just naive and completely ridiculous when these traditionalists are like oh no yeah just two kids kid every two years they're fine they'll figure it out god takes care of it whatever and the husbands are never sitting there going you know, Lord, my wife seems really stressed. Like maybe the two kids we have right now are good for, you know, this year. And then, you, you know, it's like, you know what? Just let me know. Like I'll keep praying about it, but just let me know when it's time. Yeah. And it's really, it's not that difficult, guys. If you're open to God's voice and you're actually being prudent, like Patrick said, right? I can look at my wife and my son and by, by a ton of very objective criteria, not just because I'm I'm praying and God isn't saying have another kid, but by just objective criteria, using my reason, the virtue of prudence, I can go, it's not time right now. Cool. Continue doing what we're doing. God will let me know when it's time. And it, yeah, it's just that. that Which is I think is. Uh, Tyler brings up a good question, that idea of if a couple is financially capable of another child, there's enough room in the house. Both parents are mentally and emotionally able. Would it be wrong to intentionally avoid a child? I think that the... I mean, it depends on right. why. I think here's what it comes down to. Basically, what John is saying is that that is totally between them and God. Yes. Now, if... I think if somebody was friends with them or something and it seemed like they were being really weird and selfish, like, I think a good indicator is like, if they're like, oh, yeah, well, we're just trying to get more money or something like. Yeah. Or it's like, well, if we had another kid, we can't go on six trips right. a year. Now, obviously, that's a problem. <laughs> it's like, yo, what? Like, there's something wrong here. But really, the whole point is like, if you're listening to God's voice in the same way, we all like went to we got a job or we got college or we found a spouse, like finding a spouse. Like, it's all about listening to God's voice and what he is yes. leading us towards. And yes. life is a beautiful, wonderful thing. And so if we're on the path to holiness, we're going to know what we're supposed to do. Um, but I would say, I mean, at face value, it does look like maybe like they got to have a reason of some sort to avoid a child. If Yeah. But what's interesting is what from what Tyler said, what I would what I would ask is I'd like to meet their children and then I can give you a better answer because that's the piece that's missing. Right. And that's the piece that basically always left out is that honestly, in that situation, I have no idea. If they have three kids already and the youngest one is two, two and a half years old or three years old, I don't care. Maybe if he's three, I don't really care if the parents are emotionally and mentally healthy. Is their youngest child ready for a sibling? That's way more important, right? Because the, the children need so much to become healthy adults and to have a healthy image of God and to not become atheists, like Patrick said. 
And so if the parents aren't prepared to do that, it doesn't really matter. Like I'm, I'm pretty mentally and emotionally sound. I have some issues, you know, but, uh, I'm, but compared to a lot of parents who I know who have more kids than me, I'm pretty dang emotionally sound, Yeah. but I know that my son isn't ready for another kid. And that's way more important than me. I know that I'd be hurting him if I brought another sibling in right now. And that's why I pray and I ask God and I always keep saying, are we ready yet? Are we ready yet? Nope. And every time. And I remember, I remember about eight, well, man, how long ago was that? About two years ago, I was sitting in church and it was the same time that I had that realization of how much God loves me, but I was sitting in church and I was thinking through this whole concept of this, of exactly what we're talking about now, because the pressure is a real thing when you're, when you're totally. a young married couple. It's very true. And a lot of the people around you make you feel like you're doing something wrong if you're not, if you're not just pumping the kids out every two years, which is another just travesty. But I was praying about it and I was like, Lord, like, am I doing the right thing? Right? Like, are, like Grace, I really don't feel like Grace is in any position whatsoever to even thinking about having another kid. And, you know, Sebastian's very young. And, you know, I just want to make sure that I'm like, I'm thinking about this correctly because I get very, you know, stubborn and set in my right. ways and then decide I'm right. And this voice that came to me, I mean, the, the feeling that I had was, why are you worried about this? And I'm not joking. Like, that's what God said to me. He was like, why are you worried about this? Why, like, why do you think I have some number of children I want you to have? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. And that was when he showed me, like, in my heart, like, what he sees when he looks at me. And that was, like, a moment where I realized, like, my fatherhood of Sebastian is, is only, I can only even understand God at all through that. Like, the way I feel about Sebastian is, like, one, one millionth of a fraction of the way God feels about me. And I realized in that moment, like, God is not up there going like, come on, John, where's my stream of Catholics coming out of your wife? That's not what's going on. And, like, I think Catholics really need to stop this obsession they have with, like, big families and this idea that sex has to mean children all the time, every time. And you can't have healthy marriages and healthy kids um, because you have to just pump out as many kids as you possibly can between the time you get married and the time that you stop being fertile. It just it's very damaging guys yeah um and then annie i liked what annie said uh annie said uh oh uh she's she agrees that it's extreme to expect a kid every two years but on the other hand she knows a bunch of catholic couples who have been taking advantage of nfp for years because they don't want kids um, but they'll give you other reasons financial etc but at the end of the day they're just using fp to control birth and that's long-term, which is why I think the whole, like, long-term thing with NFP is stupid. Like, to be like, oh, so we're not going to have a kid for the first three years of marriage. Like, to me, I think that's uh, not a very good approach. Because it's not, it's like you're basically making plans for God instead right. of letting him lead your family. It's like, right. right now, I feel like it's not good. It doesn't make sense. Right. In the context I would also of go ahead I and I, I would also like to say, guys, based on our judging episode, it truly is the height of folly to look at another family. And it does not matter if you it does not matter how much you know about them. It doesn't matter how well you think you understand their situation to make the decision for them. In fact, Patrick's dad has an amazing term for this. He calls it the fertility police. And I love that for like the, the like the idea that a Catholic would look at another Catholic and say, you don't have good reasons to not have kids is the height of arrogance. You have no idea. None. And I would argue, I would imagine that a lot of the people in this chat right now don't have children. And so when you've had your first kid, come back and let's talk about it. Because 
it's truly crazy sometimes what goes into raising a child. And when you think that it's not that big of a deal, that's how you hurt your children. And when you look at somebody else and you say, oh, they've got two kids and it's been 10 years, why didn't they? Maybe they're more concerned about the kids they have than the kids that they don't have. And it's really, it really is a shame that we have these Catholics that sit here and look at everybody and they're like, oh man, they really need to be having more kids. Yeah. It's not your call. It's never your call. Although I, I think, so it isn't, but I do think like, so like Tyler clarify again to make this uh, potential scenario funnier. So assume that all the kids are ready for other kids and nothing stands in the way. <laughs> Would it be immoral to avoid a kid or is it pretty much the situational signpost where God is saying, quote, now it's time. Um, which I, I don't know because I don't I, know what nothing here, stands here's in the what way I would means, say. right? That's what I'm saying. I don't know what that means. But in that scenario, Tyler, I would say based on what the popes have said, uh, we owe it to God to use our ability to create life when things are right. And so if someone like doesn't know what the voice of God sounds like and they're just looking at the pure what's in front of them, if everything is your kids are happy, wife is happy, home is happy. It's like, yeah, life is probably a better default. Um, and that's that's kind of the general vibe. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're using your reason and you like, I guess I'm coming from a perspective that like I only make decisions when God tells me to make those decisions. So like, I guess if, if you're if you're operating under the perspective that like, like someone can't hear God's voice, then, yeah, I mean, reason tell you it's time to have another kid. But I guess what I'm saying is I, I'm never going to make that judgment for somebody else. Um Grace says, so how do we talk to friends slash family using contraception about its dangers and morality? Um, well, what's funny is that I honestly think that uh, one of the best ways to do it is to appeal to a woman's own health. Because these days, the damage of contraception is really easy to, to show to people, like what it does to your body. And most women want to have kids at some point, Right. I would say that like even the ones who are practicing contraception, right. it's like, well, I'll start having my kids. In my even parents, the most right? screwed so up woman 20s. will try to make a dog her child because she needs some sort of thing to mother. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so um, and so if you have. Uh, yeah. So I, I would say one of the biggest ones is like, are you willing to are you willing to risk your fertility? Are you willing to risk any child? Because that could happen. Um, you know, that one. That's one task. Women know when they're being used, and it is they know, guys. It's in, and it's men in their are nature. Way, yeah, men are way, way easier. They're way more likely to just have casual sex and not really care about it. So husbands in marriages aren't really as worried about it. But a woman knows that her, that her husband is literally using her body because he is rejecting her fertility. And she may never say that to his face, and she may never even consciously think it, but she knows it. Right. And so I, I would say that the easiest way to help a, like Catholic couples you may know that are contracepting like is basically, you know, go after the weakest link, like go after the woman, but don't don't like shame her, like appeal to her womanhood and share your experience of how amazing it is to have a husband who who desires you fully. Right. How unbelievable it is to have sex when there's no barriers of any kind. Right. Right. And share your own experience of that total love. That is far more likely to open a woman's heart than any about any kind of like, oh, well, the church says this and the church says that. It's not going to do anything. Yeah. Um, and then James said very controversially, if you want a Christian nation, Catholics should be having as many kids as possible. 
look at the Mohammedans, they procreate drastically and are changing demographics drastically in their favor. Um, I think that is a fair uh, take. And I think if Catholics were having the kids that God was asking them to have, we would totally be in that situation. Um, because again, the default in our world is people are shut off and opposed to life. That's the default. Yeah. Um, however, uh, the thing that you guys can do, just side comment, is uh, make sure you are taking, if you're a man, make sure you're taking full responsibility for your family. As a woman, make sure that you're not um, sabotaging your relationship by trying to take the lead or by, uh, I don't know, not... Like both people, both husband and wife should be pursuing virtue, because I think what happens is our own faults and mistakes and and selfish desires uh, shoot ourselves in the foot to even like the number of kids that we can have in a healthy capacity. Because like if you're all screwed up because um, you're refusing to admit your psychological issues because you know you're you don't want to admit fault or you don't want to go to a professional help. Um, and so that means that you can really only manage having one or two kids. Um, right. That's, you know, it, you can you can have more kids if you, like, chances are God will ask you to have more kids and you'll be able to have more kids if you're taking care of yourself and pursuing virtue. And yes. so go at it, guys. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining. Anything else, Patrick? Any other thoughts? Um. Let's look at this. Um, I think it would be good to touch on that. Uh, just the whole thing of like, for especially for unmarried people, you probably heard this before, but uh, like, sex is an aspect of love, but it like, love includes sex, but sorry. What is it? Basically, marriage can exist without. Oh, somebody asked a really interesting question that ties into this. So marriage can include sex, but it doesn't like need it to survive. Like there are still ways right. of bonding and showing love. Like most ways of showing love don't involve sex. Most of the people I love in my life, all the, <laughs> all the, <laughs> all the people I know and love in my life, most people I love in my life, I don't have sex without having really sex with them. <laughs> Who are who are you having sex with? <laughs> and so, the whole it's so hot in here right now. No, um, and so I think that's an important thing to realize is that I think there's this idea sometimes that people are like, oh well, once I get to marriage, then it's just all right. I don't have to with like have self control anymore. It's just unlimited sex, and that's not how it works. Like sex is still a sacred thing. It's still a um, like it, there's still responsibility that's required around sex. It's not like the responsibility just goes out the window, um, which I think is the the case that a lot of people kind of look at it. Like we still need to have self-control, you know, whether it's drinking eight beers in one sitting or, you know, watching a movie every single night. Like we need to have self-control sometimes. And that means sometimes in marriage, you know, if your wife just had a C-section or if, um, you guys are, you know, on a spaceship to Mars and, you know, can't copulate. That might mean not having sex. Um, that's a shout out to, uh, Elon Musk right there. 
Um. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. <laughs> I think that was pretty much all I had. Um, does anybody have any specific questions before we call it a night? I used to hate kids. Then I became Catholic and realized how beautiful they are. I thank God. Thank you, Benedict, time. for that. Benedict says hit the like button if you haven't. Yeah, Benedict. Thanks, man. I'm glad we have you here. You Australians are the best. Um, hit the like button if you haven't. Um, all I used. Oh, I was saying. So James. Yeah, man. I mean, once you understand, that's the thing that I really hate about our culture. Out of all the things that I hate, is this this hatred and dislike for kids. Like, there's nothing worse than listening to some coworker just go on and on about how, like, kids are just so loud and kind of nasty, and they really don't want their body to be ruined by getting pregnant, and it's just gross. Or their fur, baby. Like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. My fur, baby. In fact, Grace is asking about that. So Grace says, "What about getting a dog before a kid?" Uh, yeah, I don't know. That sounds kind of weird. I suppose. I mean, it, it, again, guys, it depends on why. I can't make that. I have no idea. There are circumstances in which you could get a, ki- a dog before you had a kid. You could get a dog right as soon as you got married, and maybe you're not like, if you were like, I don't want to have a baby until I've cared for a dog for a year. There's something wrong with you. So I don't know what you're doing, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really know how to answer that except like, animals are not better th- better than people. And if you can't take care of a child, you probably shouldn't be taking care of a dog. Yeah. Um, and and I think too like. <laughs> the variables of like problems you introduce when you get an animal like it seems like oh yeah you just buy dog food and uh cut their hair every couple weeks or you get one that doesn't shed or something and um and it seems like not a big deal but at the end of the day the number of things that's like oh now we have to pay for this because he got his nose caught in a meat grinder and you got to get reconstructive surgery and yeah. he can only eat wet food because of his diabetes. And there's like all these things that pop up. And before you know it, it's like, yeah, we, we're putting. <laughs> and he's gotten mange. We're putting off having a kid because Charlie the dog is just really suffering right now. And we don't think it would be good for him to have a kid around. <laughs> like that's the mentality people have. And it's like, no, throw the dog off a cliff and have a freaking child, please. I'm very. Um, full disclosure, I'm a little bit anti-animal just because I feel like I have to pendulum swing against everyone else in the world right now. Um, yeah. Like, humans are way Grace, better than dogs. Grace says, uh, she says reindeers are better than people. I got the reference, Grace. I was about to go, Sven, don't you think I'm right? <laughs> <laughs> James. James said, dress your kid like a dog. Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's funny. Yeah, so I think we put that one to bed. I mean, it is funny because I'm in a position where I want, like, uh, I know that Seb would, I mean, he had so much fun at Margaret's mom and dad's with their dog. Like, I know he would love a dog. So I'm, like, really torn because it's coming to my, it's been coming to my mind a lot recently, but I just don't want, I just don't want to deal with the hassle, man. Yeah, and actually, if you're looking for just an animal in general, uh, Annie made a great point. She said, animals are great when they give you and your family meat and eggs and milk. I think that's a, like, that's a there's a use to it. But I can't have those in city limits. <laughs> you can't, can you have a chicken, John? No, you can't have any farm anything classified as a Ugh, farm animal that, in city that's limits. That's true communism right there, man. Yeah, man. So, all right, guys. Um, thanks for joining us. We, uh, 
but I live in an apartment. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> just keep him chained on your little balcony. Little goat out there, just <laughs> feeding some grass, milk him. Um, if anybody has, has any other questions, throw them in, but I think we're ready to, yeah. to ramp ramp this down. So thanks for coming, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Um, had a good turnout tonight. As always, pray for us. We'll pray for you. I think we definitely found a couple of things that make some good topics to continue on here, so that's going to be fun. And uh, anything else you want to add, Patrick? Uh, just we are going to John and I will be together on Thursday, so we'll have a live episode together. So that'll be extra fun. Um, together and uh, just um, special thank you to some of our newer Patreon supporters. Super appreciate that. Uh, John and I will be shooting with some of our new equipment, shooting some videos this weekend um, that we're really excited for. And then I have some more videos that I shot with Father Carter about the Latin Mass, just kind of him explaining some uh, misconceptions and questions people might have about the Latin Mass if they're not familiar with it. Uh, so keep an eye out for those. Nice. Um, share this video with someone who won't bite your head off. And uh, John, would you like to lead us in a, a prayer here for the end? Uh, thanks, Patrick. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, thank you for bringing us all together this evening. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to uh, share in community and, uh, and to share thoughts and ideas. Enlighten all of us to, uh, to follow your truth as much as we possibly can. Help us all to grow in holiness every day and to uh, put reaching heaven as the highest goal in our lives. As always, we consecrate everything we're doing, and we consecrate all of our viewers and who are with us tonight to your dearest mother's immaculate full of grace the lord, lord is with thee, thee. blessed, are thou, blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen um, guys thanks for joining us we will catch you on thursday night peace uh also one selfish thing margaret and i get married in less than a month so keep us in your prayers that we don't get divorced beforehand no, i'm joking we will never do that i love margaret deeply uh, now just keep us in, in, uh, your prayers and we will think of all of our over TV following who have been through, been through this journey with us, uh, as we get married. Um, thank you and have a great night, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Catholic Late Night. We hope it was as useful to you as it was to my mom. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and don't forget to check out our videos on our YouTube channel at OverTV, where you can see us, like it, subscribe, and keep up with uh, episodes as soon as they come out, because we usually launch them on YouTube before they come out on iTunes or the podcast delivery method of your choice. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can hit us up on our Instagram or on our Facebook. We usually read through the comments, and if we care enough, we will we'll respond to it. 